Sandspence Radio, Australia's least coherent podcast network. Welcome to another episode of Total Reboot, the only podcast on the internet about movies. On this podcast, we look at the beautiful topics that are part of cinematic history and talk about significant entries that cover that theme, that genre, that subgenre, or heck, even just that thing that we're excited about. <laughs> uh, my name is Alexi Toliopoulos, and joining me, as always, is my dearest friend, Cameron James. It's a pleasure to be here with you, Alexi, the man with the golden tonsils. <laughs> and I am, of course, the man with the brass cojones. Oh my lord! That is true. Cameron is one of the bravest men who tragically <laughs> lost his gonads in a schmelting accident. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here in Blu-ray Studios to be talking all about screen ages, baby. Teens on screens. We had a great time last week talking about Dazed and Confused. I was unfortunately not able to watch it with a bud, mm. but I did watch it with. A cup of tea. Yes, which of course is the Australian equivalent to Token the Reefer. Yes. Down we- <laughs> under, we do not smoke weed, but we do put it into hot water, let yes. it steep for a minute or two. Absolutely. And then guzzle it down by the bucket load. Yes, we do love to watch that Billy Boyle if you catch my drift, <laughs> mister. <laughs> I'm very excited to talk about this one because this is one that you picked. Mm-hmm. And. It's a modern one. Yes, exactly. It is a modern film, a contemporary flick, Mm. one that we would have seen most recently in the last couple of years. Yeah. I was fortunate enough to put my eyes on it, if I had to guess, Mm -hmm. probably like 18 months ago. Wow. So not on the big screen, on the little screen. On the little screen, which is my home television system. Yes. Uh, Since then, I have upgraded to a bigger television. You've upgraded? I have upgraded, yes. My word. What are we packing these days? It doesn't matter the size. Just know that it does the job. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I'm glad to hear it. We're talking HD, 1080p, perhaps even up to 4K. Absolutely. And yes, this television is smart. (laughs) Okay, it's got a freaking degree (laughs) Yeah This thing has got the brain of a small infant It could beat an infant in chess, (laughs) no problemo And I did watch this film again on my new and improved smart television And I gotta say, it looked sensational The future is looking bright, so chuck on a pair of shades when you watch these flicks Cameron's (laughs) got a new TV, and guess what? It's playing to take over the universe Cameron's got a new TV, and Papa's got a a brand new bag <laughs> full of tea <laughs> ready to boil it up in that gorgeous little billy down by the billabong now i'm gonna reveal uh for the people who haven't looked at the title of this episode mm-hmm. what the name of the movie is and for those of you who haven't looked don't look at it now you've made it this far allow it to progress in dramatic fashion you no must peeking. be tingling to have a peek I know your eyes are drifting towards the title as Mm -hmm. it moves across your screen right now. And I know you're thinking, God, I want to look. I have to know what Mm -hmm. movie they're discussing. But let me tell you, if you look now, I'll fucking kill you. (laughs) 
I'll fucking destroy you. I'm going to come. And I'm going to slash and slash away. <laughs> We're going to come as a pair. We're going to beat you to a pulp. <laughs> exactly. You may have thought that Cameron would kill you and I would protect you. No, no, sister and mister. I'm going to chop and slice and dice. <laughs> we are slashers, dude. We're yes. Freddie and Jason. Exactly. You may have thought when we say slashes that we're mean that we're multi-hyphenates in the modern media world. Where we are not. We're not just hyphenates, okay? <laughs> we slash. We slash people. Mm-hmm. So the film we are watching today is 8th grade from the year of our Lord and Savior, 2018, Oof. written and directed by Monsieur... Bo Burnham. A freaking slashy of himself. A comedian and filmmaker. And serial killer. Uh, From what we understand. Allegedly. We do have to say allegedly. These are rumors from the comedy community that have not been put to (laughs) any kind of newsletter or anything. But in the comedy community, we do suspect Bo Burnham may be up to some killing and stuff. We think he's Jack the Ripper. Yes. It's a theory that he went back in time and did some ripping in London in the good old 1800s. And we think that Bo Burnham might be the Zodiac. There's yes. a lot of theories out he there. He jumps through time <laughs> killing people that may have done some really bad things. That's the theory. That's the theory. Is that those guys <laughs> actually put a stop to a lot of bad things happening in the 21st century. He's actually a time vigilante. Yes. And for that, we thank him. And Bo, we do respect you, Bo. So, why did you pick this movie, Alexi? I picked this movie because I thought it would be in complete contrast to every other screen age of flick that we're going to be chucking into this miniseries because uh you know especially dazed and confused and a lot of the other movies we're going to talk about and like the teenager film in general i think it does a bit apply to this one too is uh kind of is about almost like accessing your own memories when you watch them mm-hmm. like the scr- the teen genre is kind of like this amorphous thing that you kind of watch and then you it's very easy to empathize with these films because it's about that common experience that we talked about last week and a lot of those films are nostalgia films like your American Graffitis, like your Days and Confused in particular, whether they are about like going back to a certain time period or um, going back to a period in your life. And they mm-hmm. kind of center around a big event, like whether it's the prom. Graduation. Graduation. Yeah. Losing lo- your virginity yes, is a big one. I've, so I've heard. I can't wait to try it, obviously. I, yeah, exactly. I plan to try it with a bud. <laughs> But um, they like they all center around this event, and usually, like the these coming of age films are about someone going from their adolescence into uh, adulthood, mm. and like that's the rite of passage. Whereas this film, there's kind of like it, I don't. I, it's hard to come straight away to like what other examples there are of like teen films Mm. that are a coming of age film, but are really about adolescence, like about a really young person and a really awkward stage of their life, like just becoming a teenager and maybe even just starting the path to becoming a true version of themselves. Yeah. I was thinking about that while watching it today, which is that this movie doesn't hinge on a first kiss or Mm -hmm. anything like that. It's just, it's just about kind of innocence, like a time when you're, Innocent and everyone around you feels like they're growing up. Mm. The show Big Mouth taps into that really nicely in the yeah. first season um, with the Nick character. But I haven't seen it done much anywhere else. The only other one that like came to mind when I was trying to pick something like this, 
I felt like just didn't qualify because it's about a 12-year-old, which was like Francois Truffaut's The 400 Blows. Sure. Like the 1960 film that mm. basically helped kick off the entire French New Wave movement. This says a lot about how different we are because I thought you were going to say the Jacob Tremblay film Good Boys from last year. <laughs> yeah, that actually And then actually when you did... said Francois Truffaut, I was like, I'm out of my depth. <laughs> That's not the same one, but close. Yeah. They're about little spunky little smart mouth little kids. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say Good Boys would be like something that I would consider as well because, you know, that's rare. That's about like the this mm. weird like concept of uh, actual adolescence. Like, you know, not mm. just the idea of adolescence growing into something else. It's not about young men. It is about boys. And I think this movie is similar in that regard where it's not like about a young woman. It's about a girl. Interestingly, one of the reasons I was happy you picked this one is because uh, we love the teen genre because it's inherently nostalgic. Mm. Nostalgia is built in. This one is one of the rare ones where it actually feels incredibly current. Yes. It doesn't so much feel like Bo Burnham is remembering his own yep. uh, teenage years. Mm. Because I don't think he was. I've heard him talk about it very briefly on something. And he said, uh, you know, he was mainly trying to reflect his fan base. Yeah. Who were, who were young girls, like 13-year-old yeah. girls who would come to his shows and be incredibly emotional and be crying mm. and saying like... You know, not you get me, no one yes. else gets me and stuff. And so he thought, well, shit, maybe maybe I have some, maybe I've tapped into something here. Yeah, like my, maybe I should explore it. Maybe my emotional experience is more similar to that of a modern day 13-year-old girl than <laughs> yeah. like a 27-year-old man or yeah. whatever. And I think it's not just very like, pre- like current day, like just contemporary, mm. which it really, really is. Mm. But uh, it also feels very present tense, which I think a lot of like high school movies and teen movies do not have that present tense feeling. Mm. They do feel like these remembrances. And I think that part of my rewatch in going through this movie is like kind of like figuring out where and how he changes those ideas, like those things that you remember from your past, those mm. remembrances of moments or feelings or senses, the way that like. Uh, Richard Linklater would turn those into like feeling like unlocking memories how he would change them and turn them into feeling very present like in the very present tense oh god I just had a thought then while you were saying that which is that perhaps like um, with the bigger teen movies like American Pie and whatnot Mm. they feel more like memories because so much happens in them it's like the Mm. dance the prom the big party the first time you have sex the first time you get drunk, yeah. they all happen in those movies. Whereas in this film, it's just really there's there's one big event, which mm. is the pool party. Yeah. And then the rest of it is just small moments at school around that mm. and a couple of trips to the mall. So it kind of, it feels more present because it feels more real. That was yeah. what high school was like. One thing happened in about three months. <laughs> and then the rest of the time you were just kind of hanging out. Absolutely. Yeah, I re- man, I I'm excited to dive into this film. Uh, shall we? Shall we dive in? Let's do it, baby. Hey guys, uh, it's Kayla back with another video. So, the topic of today's video is being yourself. Being yourself can be hard, and it's like, aren't I always being myself? And yeah, for sure. But being yourself is like not changing yourself to impress someone else. A lot of people like call me quiet or shy or whatever. 
when I'm not quiet. Most quiet, Kayla Day. I don't talk a lot at school, but if people talk to me and stuff, they'd find out that I'm like really funny and cool and talkative. By the way, I like your shirt a lot. It's like so cool. What? Eighth grade, 2018, written and directed by Bo Burnham. So Cam's just found a random synopsis for what eighth grade is. Uh, I'm dying to find out if it actually matches up to what the movie actually is all about. Cam, read us that logline, baby. This one is from IMDb. Wow, one of the great websites available on the internet where they delve into films, filmographies, and the actors that star in them. Well said. Thank you. <laughs> this is the shortest one. There's quite a few uh, synopses on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've picked the shortest <laughs> one. It's one sentence. Wow. To give you some context, the rest are like four paragraphs. Mm-hmm. So this one's really trying to boil it down. Yeah, we love that kind of stuff. Concentration. Okay. An introverted teen girl tries to survive the last week of her disastrous eighth grade year before leaving to start high school. That's it. That's it. That's exactly what this movie is. I think it's beautiful how undetailed that is. Because yeah. I think that's what this movie is really about. Like, it's mm. very detailed, but they're these sensory details. Mm. Like, you know, I feel like for me on this rewatch, it was really about the use of diegetic and non-diegetic music. Sure, absolutely. Absolutely. The first time I noticed that in this flick on this rewatch mm-hmm. is the uh, after after they're talking about the awards and you hear about the boy that won best eyes, yeah, and then it cuts to a close up of his eyes accompanied by like a fucking slapping beat, yes, which is clearly just in her head, yeah, and then it cuts to the wide and it's just normal sound, yeah, just atmos sound. I think that's so spot on, right? Mm. I think the use of like non-diegetic music, like score and soundtrack music that doesn't exist in the world of the film, which is rare because usually I think that's like they can all hear that kind of shit. Yeah, like if you're walking around Star Wars land, you're hearing all that noise. I've- Hang on a second. What noise are they hearing? They're, they're hearing, hearing the They're not hearing the score. Yeah, there's a guy behind the camera playing the violin and stuff. Dude, you're out of your freaking mind. They can't hear it. <laughs> well, Only we can at home from the luxury of our lazy boy chairs. <laughs> and beautiful smart televisions <laughs> whose size will remain a secret. <laughs> but I, you know, that's my theory that I'm working on. Okay. That's I'm trying to write a paper on it that all movie characters can hear the they music. They can hear the music and that's why they behave so dramatically. Yeah, that's why everything's all amped up and they're scared and stuff. Because <laughs> they can hear Jaws coming and it sounds like... Da-dum, da-dum, I mean, da-dum. every time I heard that, I'd get the hell out of the water. Exactly. And I would cancel Summer because there's some weird shit going on. <laughs> but uh, the use of like non-diegetic music, that score soundtrack, I think is really key because... It's kind of used as the, these two things, almost like moments to like let you sit in the moment from Elsie's perspective. Or uh, what's the character's name? Kayla? Kayla. Kayla's perspective, where we uh, see like uh, images that become more cinematic through her perspective, like the one you just described. Yeah. Or as moments for us as viewers of uh, to escape her situation a little bit. Uh, which I'm thinking about when she goes to that pool party and then like the score kicks in. Mm. So we kind of have like an out-of-body experience where we're just kind of watching her. 
and seeing That's her where react it becomes to a things. horror movie for about a minute. Exactly. And then the music disappears and she goes into like a panic attack. Yeah. Then we cut back to her walking out and like surveying the surveying the pool party and it becomes like these uh, these more bigger larger cinematic moments that are either about relief or placing you more directly into her like fantasized perspective. Mm, and I, I love that sequence. Absolutely. It's kind of it was very apparent this time around how fearful we're supposed to feel mm. during that moment because yes. all the shots of other teenagers are grotesque yeah. and over the top there's a kid like popping his eyelids inside mm-hmm. out and some girl walking Upside down on her hands. <laughs> yeah, doing exorcist crab walk stuff. Yeah, it's like all kind of scary looking yeah. imagery from these other kids. And it's just like, it's really wild because like that's the inhibition fun of kids. Like mm. I think it captures that really well. Mm. And I think that where the diegetic music and diegetic sound it differs in that, like in, the, in creating those moments, it doesn't do... Like, it doesn't create those moments. It does more to bring you really into the present. Like, it reminded me of how in Days and Confused, the way that Linklater would kind of create those moments of remembrance would be really elegantly and subtly, like, slowing down the moment to almost give it, like, Hmm. this gravitational pull Mm -hmm. that, like, drags you into that moment and allows you to, like, start putting your own memories to these things and putting your own, like, resonances to these moments. This one, I feel like the diegetic music does, like, the complete opposite thing where it, like, snaps you into that reality Mm. and snaps you into that presence of, like that you get from, like, just going, like, oh, I don't... That's, like, not a specific memory I have, but these, like, floating moments. Mm, I can remember sort of being in a similar situation with this character. And, like, the one that really hit me at first was when we're, like, kind of just into those opening credits after she's had this amazing monologue, Uh, like, two-camera monologue. I want to talk about that in a second. Where we see, like, these glimpses of of just, like, one second characterizations of like students and the first one's this girl who's like picking her teeth and the finger all mm. the way back like picking her braces and then just like you hear that snap yeah. of the rubber band that mm-hmm. holds her braces together and I was like that you would just hear those little noises like that mm-hmm. and it just brought me straight into the present of that moment <laughs> I was like this is some really good filmmaking and then I had the thought like you know I've talked written so much about like how this uses non-diegetic and diegetic sounds and it just made me go filmmaking is so hard because i've analyzed all this Mm. and i go i now have that knowledge of how this was so affecting and bringing you into a moment Uh and how it relates to cinema history and now will i ever do this kind of stuff if i ever make a film i I won't retain that knowledge in that regard you you have to keep in mind this is not just a an auteurship this is a film with a group of people Mm. making it there would have been so many people saying, "Hey, you know do what this, would be nice this. is a big rubber band snap." There. Yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of creativity <laughs> going in here from multiple people. You brought to mind two things mm-hmm. there that I think really one is uh, the thesis for the movie to me, and mm. one is just a moment that really stood out as incredibly real. Yeah, um, the opening monologue. You know, I'm a big believer in like first lines, mm. a character's first lines, uh, all last lines sum up what we're supposed to take away from this film. And this opening monologue is so apparent, almost to the point of being on the nose, mm-hmm. but the performance stops it. You know, Ugh. she opens up by doing a, a to camera YouTube 
pep talk to everybody slash nobody slash mm. herself yes. about the importance of being yourself. Mm. And at one point she breaks and starts stumbling over her words and then admits that she's reading it off cardboard. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, she keeps trying to get through it and she kind of fucks up a few times and goes like, well, anyway, so the point is be yourself, everybody. And I'm just watching it, this awkward 13-year-old mm. with huge eyes filled with like fear and awkwardness yeah. going, wow, that is, that's what the film is and that's what high school is, which mm-hmm. is you're constantly trying to be yourself, but you have no idea who you are. Oh, that's so well put. And it's I, terrifying it's to watch. It's so terrifying. <laughs> like, I think there's so... Like, this performance, i got to say, is one of the greatest performances oh, of, like, dude. the 21st century. It's amazing. Amazing. I would maybe say, like, really, watching this again, I do believe this is one of the best performances a young actor has ever given. Mm. Because it's all about creating that word that we use so much in this podcast, that verisimilitude yeah. of bringing you into the authenticity in an immersed sense. It's so real. Like, it's, it's not even a parody. Yeah. Like, even the acne on her face is... Is like the most verisimilitude the film's ever had. Like that's I I remember I have that acne on my chin. Truly perfect casting. Like it's not. This is not a Hollywood version of. Do you mm. remember? Do you remember being in Year Eight? This yeah. is. This is as close to real I think as I've seen. And I remember hearing Bo Burnham talk about Elsie Fisher and her performance, and like how when he met her, he was like, "This is the one." And hearing her deliver that monologue in the audition mm. that you were just speaking about, he saw her bring all of the dichotomies that that monologue does, which is mm. all about like confidence. Oh. Yet this is by a completely unconfident person. Oh, it's all about like uh, you know, pu- like it's it's. It's meant to be vulnerable, but then it's like about it's being bravado. guarded and bravado. Yeah. But then, in a sense, it's even more vulnerable because of like you see those breaks. So it's it's all about like dichotomies of like basically presenting a strong but being weak, which is what every single person in this world is like. Mm-hmm. And then uh, how real she was and how much authenticity she brought. He said that her. Like, the collaboration of this movie is her bringing that reality to everything and everyone in every single department having to up their game to make sure that nothing broke that immersion. Like, the production designers and set dressers going, like, there cannot be anything false in here. Everything Mm. has to look and feel real. There can't be, like, uh, you know, like, even, like, the post-it notes on her wall. They Mm. had to, like, make them look old and feel like they're used post-it notes, not just, like, they got a fresh batch out, wrote lines on them and put them up. Like, they really had to go everywhere. There might only be two moments that felt cartoonish to me in Mm -hmm. this film, and I didn't didn't care. I was happy that they were there. One is... um, right near the start when they're watching like a puberty video yes. in class and the woman on the video says, today we're going to be talking about your changing bodies. It's going to be lit. Yeah. Um, and no one reacts to it. And the other time is when she, it's so sad after the pool party, when she gives mm. a thank you note to Cassidy or yeah. Kennedy or whatever her name is. And um, those two girls just ignore her the whole time and stare, yeah. stare at their phones. It, that feels like that would be in a sitcom. Yes. But it also... I needed it for the moment to hammer home like how yeah. heartbreaking this fucking girl's life is. And I think her performance makes that moment real. God. Like, because she's so vulnerable and so, like, Trying voice to act cracking. casual. She's going, like, 
Okay, catch you later. Yeah. Trying to sound cool and stuff. Oh, You've heard her practice it. Exactly. Um, you also mentioned a uh, a bit earlier on that I want to uh, talk about briefly. Mm. This felt so real, mm. and it's a tiny bit of sound design when uh, she's in the assembly at yep. the start and they're giving out the awards, mm. right? Like, coolest person, most talkative person, yep. quietest, whatever. Quietest person, sad. my God. So sad. One um, of the best moments. Oh, God. But, like, most of that... I would say most of that scene is kind of like a mid to tight on her face. You mm. don't really see the rest of the crowd. But at one point, while the teacher's talking, <laughs> you hear in the background, you hear, like, some kid go... <laughs> yell out to the teacher are you my mom and everyone cracks up in the assembly and you don't see the kid do it you don't know it's not like foreshadowing for like this is the funny kid it's just like a moment yeah where someone yelled something out that is like a weird in joke i guess (laughs) (laughs) a weird in joke amongst like 400 kids (laughs) yeah and everyone laughed at it it reminded me of when i was in year seven Mm. i think um this kid yelled out something at assembly. Do you remember the old ads, um, not happy Jan? <laughs> yes. These are these like yellow pages, yeah. like phone directory it's ads a phone in Australia. directory ad in Australia where some, I guess in the ad, someone had forgotten to list their business in the phone directory yep. and their boss, um, this lady yells at them, not happy Jan. <laughs> and Jan is presumably the name or the secretary whose job yeah. it was to put and that in. for some reason... It just became like a bit of a catchphrase in Australia for it's a few years. It's basically our version of Where's the Beef? <laughs> where's the Beef? <laughs> totally. It's our Where's the Beef. Um, and people would just say it. Sometimes people still do say it. Yeah. And you know what? I always like it. Yeah. But I remember this kid yelled it out and it destroyed <laughs> so hard. And then, yes. and then like maybe six months later at a different mm. assembly... I don't know if it was the same. In my mind, it's the same kid. Same kid. Uh, he tried found it again, big moment. and it bombed. Wow! And I just remember that was the first time I'd really seen a bomb. Wow! And you never forgot it. Someone going like, "Not happy, Jan," and just hearing like one quarter of the laughs that it got the first time, and oh, just being like, "Whoa, that was shit. so embarrassing." Well, that you know inspired you. You live and die by the sword. You got to take do. risks up there. You got to take a bomb sometimes. It exactly. Happened. But that's, I love that moment in this movie. Mm. And it's actually full of those little moments that aren't, yeah. they're not big. They're just tiny little people having conversations or in jokes or mm. something like that. Um, do we want to talk about, well, let's talk about the father-daughter relationship in this. Yeah, because I think that's kind of a special thing, right? Like, mm. we were talking last week about these teen films often having, like, this entire separate world. A lot of the times they're about these... Uh, these worlds for young people that the adults dare not cross into. Absolutely. And they do not take part in. The parents in these movies fall into one of two categories. They're Mm -hmm. either this kind of barely present, Mm -hmm. almost threat that's looming over the film, like, oh, they might discover us, they might catch us, or they're going away so we can use their house, Mm -hmm. or they're purely comic relief. You're like talking Eugene. Eugene Levy, or um, is it who is it in Booksmart? Will Forte and yeah. um, Lisa Kudrow. Lisa Kudrow, mm. where they sort of the joke is that they're trying to be cool, or they're like too sexual. Yeah, even like Amy Poehler and Mean Girls. Oh, you know? of course, like, yeah. Like like they're comedy characters. Mm. 
they're sketch characters mm. in a film that is slightly broad, but not as broad as them. Yeah, they're, they're often way bigger than the than the leads. Yeah, but this is like, oh man, like this this relationship is so nuanced, mm. so beautiful, and so oh, it like it straddles that line between incredibly like meaningful and mm. powerful and like emotional and also cringe dad like yes. shut the fuck up dad oh my god let's give our best supporting award to josh hamilton in this movie as yeah. the father yeah as mark uh he will receive our best supporting actor award mm. and mm. this is a character actor that i think is worthy of this praise because he like kind of started out popping off in uh no bomb box kicking and screaming mm. the indie darling that would have put like Kind of like he's a bit of a forerunner to Friends and stuff in a way. Um, or maybe it's after Friends. I actually have no memory of when that movie came out. I've 1995. Never seen it. You would like it. I've seen the Will Ferrell movie kicking and screaming about yeah. what if Will Ferrell coached soccer. And what if Robert Duvall was Will Ferrell's dad. Yeah. And the answer, really funny. And that is my biggest dream is I want Will Ferrell to be the progeny of all the mm. sons of Marlon Brando's mm. godfather. Mm. Of course, we got Santino Corleone, mm. James Kahn, his dad in Elf, Elf. And I'm writing a thing where Al Pacino is his freaking mom, dude. That's going to be fucking good, I think. I think it's going to be really good. Al Pacino plays the godmother. Okay. And it's funny, funny, funny because funny. he's a man playing a woman. Uh, that And that's always funny. Yeah, always. People who say it's not, you know what? Check out Big Mama's house. It is hysterical. Come back to me. Tell me you don't think it's funny. There's a scene where he has a fucking <laughs> erection. And he's a mama. And he's a mama. And she and the girl that he's like says, is that a torch in your pocket yeah. or something like that? And it's brings down the house in the cinema. And not just bringing down the house, Eugene Levy <laughs> Which style. Which is also okay? a great flick. You got me unrelated. straight tripping boo, Okay. <laughs> But can I, this is this will never come up any other time because Big Mama's House has never come up in the like five or six years we've been doing this together. I have to share you a Big Mama's memory. I saw. Hang Big, on, hang on. Is this a new segment? It's a new segment. This is a Big Mama's Big memory. Mama's memories. <laughs> Not to be accused of Big Mama's memories, which is a segment also dedicated to the chesticles of none other than Mr. Martin Lawrence. Martin Lawrence. <laughs> which is the name of Big Mama's character. Okay, Martin Lawrence. <laughs> but I saw Big Mama's house in mm. the cinema with my mother mm. and we were laughing a lot. Mm. We were yucking laughing. We were yucking so hard that when the movie ended, I asked her, could we go see it again? We saw it again the no. same day. No, <laughs> yes. no, you didn't. We saw it twice in one day. Oh, my like God. Like you in boyhood. It was me and oh Big Mama's house. Oh, my God. This is so unexpected. And can I tell you something that you might not anticipate after hearing that? Never seen the sequels. <laughs> <laughs> and I've never seen it again. Just saw it once, <laughs> twice in one perfect day and never again. Yeah, that might be the best way to do it. <laughs> I've never revisited it. But I don't know why. Like that's, but I have I know seen that's, all of them. You've seen all of them? I've seen Big Mama's House, Big Mama's House 2, and Big Mama's Son, or whatever it's called. Yeah, I think it's when they get a little Little son. Mama's House. <laughs> when you get all the little mamas around. <laughs> but I ne- I, that's true, and I never understood why my mom did it. Well, I mean, what did she, she say? She must have really no? thought it was funny, like as well, to do it twice I in a row. I actually think... The idea of that makes me feel 
just insane. That's why I'll never have kids. That's <laughs> fucked up that I did that to my mom and she said yes. What a little spoiled bitch I was. Oh my god, did you get a fresh popcorn? Um, yeah, yeah, of course. So I don't you know. Get if... all new snacks. <laughs> that's what it was. It was an excuse to that's get like all new snacks. Four hours. That's, no, all up. That's probably a six hour. Day. Yeah, with the same fucking trailers. And cinema. I think we probably had a long lunch and, and slept out the trailers. <laughs> but anyway, jo- what's his name? <laughs> Actor Josh Hamilton. He does not appear in the Big Mama's movies, but <laughs> I wish he did. Yeah. But he would uh, have elevated them. He's great in this. It's um, so great. It's it's one of those performances that I think, in other hands, would have been amped up to mm. be more of a nerd or more of yeah. a dweeb. Or... Part of it, I think, because he looks so much like him, I kept imagining like what Dana Carvey would be doing with this. <laughs> <laughs> Because he just looks like Dana Carvey. Oh, wow. And I was just like, yeah, it wouldn't be the same. Like, I would love Dana to do a role like this, but it wouldn't be it. Do you know who I thought it was? Who? Is um the guy from Medium, who I don't oh, know who don't that Don't know is. that actor, but I love no, that actor. Uh, we love him on the show. <laughs> I think we've talked about him before. Yeah. We don't know who he is. We Never don't know his name. Never He's got will. a Dustin Hoffman quality yeah, about him. Yeah. I always <laughs> loved that. <laughs> He's got a Dustin vibe, and so does this guy, I think. He's got a real Dustin vibe. He's got a touch of the Dustins. Yeah. um, And that's great. We love that. He's got sandy sandy blonde hair. Exactly. It's kind of swept back. Yeah. Um, He wears shorts, you know, like cargo shorts. Yeah, we love that. That's a Dustin Hoffman characteristic. (laughs) Cargo shorts and a waffle sweater. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. That's the kind of shit we like on this show. He just brings, like you said, like that, man, like all that, like beautiful like cringiness that mm. like that monologue where he's just like i think you're so cool mm. and be- you being your father is the thing that i love most in this world it's like brings you to tears because it's so real it's and like, so sad i think i often oh, i thought today like mm. if i had that monologue said to me by my parents now I would burst into tears with gratitude. Yes. But also, if I had that said to me at 13, I would do exactly what she does, yeah. which is just groan and roll my eyes and tell them to shut up. Mm, my like, God. Fuck. Oh, please shut up. Please. Yeah. It's so embarrassing. It reminded me like the other day you and I were on a road trip coming back home mm. and we were just talking about like how like difficult it can be with our parents just going like, I wish I come to you for one thing and I just want you to nurture me. And yeah. then all you do is make me go ballistic. Yeah. And it's crazy yeah. to go... Well, that's what he's doing to her, and it's driving her ballistic. Yeah, it's just like, true. You just can't, your parents can never win. You can't win. Sorry, anyone who's a parent who listens, mm-hmm. I'm so sorry, dude, but your children are going to bitch about you. Absolutely. Yeah. They're going to get a podcast, they're going to bitch about you all. Yeah, they're going to dish. Okay? Even if you do them the nicest thing in the world, which is take them to see Big Mama's house twice yeah, in one day. they're still going to say... God, they suck. Yeah, parents suck shit. Dude. Parents suck. Homework sucks. Mm-hmm. Partying rules. Oh, yeah. I think that this is like, this for me is the singular best part about this movie is this relationship. Mm. And I would love to give it a special award here today. Yes. It's our very own trademarked Oscars. We yeah. give out an Oscar to something so special and particular. And I want to give it to this moment, but I don't know how to encapsulate it all. Uh, I would say, um, for me, it gets the Oscar for best shut up dad performance. Yeah. Best shut up dad moment. Yes, absolutely. Because it's just, it sums up that feeling of when you're, you're that age and your parents are really trying to be nice to mm. you, 
but they're also totally ignoring your feelings in the moment, oh. which are, I don't want to hear this. I feel humiliated. I just want to be alone. Yeah. I remember my dad doing a similar thing, like coming into my room and being like, mate, I just want you to know that um, I think, you know, I think you're very talented. I think you're a rock star. I think you're a rock star. <laughs> and me just like laying on my bed, just scowling at him like, yeah, I know. Shut up. <laughs> I freaking rock dad. I get it. <laughs> Shut up. And now I look back at it and think, I should have just hugged mm. him or something. I know. That's it. You you lost your chance. Now your dad closed the hugs off. He said, not, no, not now. What I do now to, whenever I'm reminded of how much mm. of a dick I was as a teenager, is send my parents a message with something that I've just listened to or yeah. watched that I know they like and have recommended me in the past. Yep. So today... I sent my dad a message saying, I've just been listening to uh, Steely Dan. They're so good. Because I know that he loves them. And for years, I was like, Steely Dan suck. (laughs) (laughs) Also, just like, if you don't know your dad loves Steely Dan, it's like the safest bet in the world. You go, yeah. (laughs) Totally. Australian dad loves Steely Dan, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Steely Dan or Pink Floyd. Yeah. Tom and Shud, dude. That's my dad's one. Because he's a surf movie My guy. dad loves surf movies. Yeah. He used to be a surfer. And Tom and Shud did the soundtrack for, is it uh, Endless Summer? I think Endless Summer. Yes. yes. That's my dad's favorite movie, I think, Endless Summer. I know this because mm. I share a Doc Play account with you and your dad. Yes, me, Cameron, <laughs> and my dad share a Doc Play account. <laughs> <laughs> that I bought for my dad for Christmas, like a one-year subscription. And I snuck in there. Something. And I sent it to Cam as well. So I I see what's being watched, mm. and it's often surf movies. Yeah, my dad watched a lot of surf documentaries <laughs> now that I bought him this. It's like I bought him a box set to Does surf movies. Does he surf? Not anymore. Now he surfs the web. Awesome. Yeah. Like you. Yeah, exactly. So my dad, he always was upset that I never followed his footsteps and became a Into surfer. The ocean. But then he followed my footsteps and became a surfer mm. online, baby, cyber style. And while there was, uh, you guys were following each other's footsteps, mm. sometimes there was only one set of footsteps. Yes. And that's when I was carrying both of you <laughs> with the dog play With account. the dog play account. <laughs> we're sitting on your shoulders. <laughs> Which I haven't chipped in for, but yeah, yeah no, I'm happy no, it's to. It's okay. It's a present for my dad for Christmas, and I guess for you as well for Christmas. <laughs> well, if you want to keep using it, I'm happy to go halves with you. Yeah, future. okay, sure thing, man. We'll we'll sort this out in the no, admin no, no, part of the talk podcast. About it. Let's <laughs> talk about it now. <laughs> oh, I got to tell you, another one of my really favorite moments uh, is I think this movie has one of the all time great needle drops ever, which is that. Enya Sail Away Mm. montage because That is probably like the dreamiest moment of this movie. The one that kind of like is the closest at taking you out of the present and pushing you into your own memories, which for me, uh, like, you know, Bo Burnham's basically in between our ages. He's like the same age as us, which drives Mm. me really happy. (laughs) Drives me so happy to see him do a cool movie like this um, and make it so powerful, you know, drives me to the absolute ecstatic levels of happiness uh, and, you know, all of that good stuff. But um, I'm wrapped for the guy. <laughs> I'm wrapped for him. I'm wrapped for the guy. Uh, but, uh, like... It, because it like becomes like this montage of like her scrolling on Instagram, her looking stuff up on the internet, hmm. and it really captures this thing that I've not had for, I hadn't had for a long time, 
and now I feel like I've had it a lot, which is just like that sadness of an adolescent Friday night in. Because like, you know, you know, for years, Friday night was like, you know, I go out, I do an extremely big amount of movies with my friends <laughs> and, you know, do fun shit. How but many when you're movies? Probably five or six big mamas. <laughs> but you know, when you're a kid, you're just like, you don't have a fucking life. You don't have mm. a social life at all. Mm. Like it's just starting. But what do you do? You've got no fucking independence or anything. You just stay at home on your computer, scrolling, listening to like some music that you've just discovered, which usually is some shit like Enya that you've just found out about. <laughs> and then you're just like listening to it. And it reminded me so much of like how I used to use the internet, which was so different to how it is now. And I'm trying to get back to, which was like websites served a unique purpose. Mm. Like now it's only Facebook or YouTube or like a social media. True. And then I click a link to go somewhere <laughs> else. When I was like, you know, Elsie Fisher's age, I would be like, okay, I'm home from school. What do I want to do? Let me open a tab, www.collegehumor.com. Mm. And I look at some funny sketches with John Gabris and stuff for hours. I'd be watching Jake and Amir. Then I go www.crack.com and I read a funny article mm. www.wikipedia and I'd be learning about Star Wars on wikipedia.com and stuff where I'd just like be you know that and then would be like my... www.porn.com yeah. yeah I'd be looking up www.sexpluskiss.com yeah. to learn about sex and Naked kissing nakedkissing.com yeah just you know that would be it yeah. I remember like even typing into Google once when I was like 12 years old. I think I've told you this before. I was at my dad's office and he let me like go on the computer. And he's like, I've got a meeting. Don't look up anything weird on the computer. And immediately as soon as he left, I looked up Holly Valance plus no clothes. <laughs> who was like the biggest singer and star of Neighbours in Australia at the time. Yeah, And then I uh, just like, that's fucking weird. Like kids are so weird. Oh, totally. That. Did you look? Uh, well, I mean, I assume the Kiss Kiss film clip would have come up. Yes and, yes, and tragically, she did wear clothes. Yes, yes. So the search wasn't complete, <laughs> <laughs> and to this day, it remains incomplete. Yeah, exactly. Uh, a big thing I took away from this one, and we we actually talked about it last mm. week. So I wonder if this is going to be something that I'm just inherently drawn to in these mm. films, or if it's going to say something, but. There's a moment in this film where she goes to the high school and she sh- she's shadowed by yep. or she shadows an older student mm. and kind of hangs out with that student yep. for a day, um, and this student is like incredibly lovely to her, so sweet and so kind, and this is played by uh, Emily Robinson, right? Who Emily Robinson, that's right. We see in uh, Transparent, she plays yeah. like uh, the younger Ali and stuff in Transparent. Yeah, yeah, she's she's been in multiple seasons mm. of that. She's so good. Mm. Um, I my heart breaks for these moments because mm. they're incredibly sweet and they're so kind and nice, but they're also like they're an island mm. in this movie of just you know. I think the hard part about this film is she's not a loser that you've seen mm. in other movies where she's a victim and she's bullied and people make fun of her. Yeah. She's just invisible. Mm. Like she wins most quiet at the awards she thing. Does. Um, but she's just, she's like kind of not even seen. Like yeah. people barely look at her and there's a real point of mm. that. Like anytime she's talking to someone, they're looking at their phones yeah. or whatever. But this, this girl is so nice to her and she lets her, hang out with her at the mall for like mm. the evening. And I mean, it ends up ending badly, but it starts off incredibly nice and whatnot. Yeah. And it reminded me of when I was in, I think year eight. Yeah. I was in my own eighth grade. Mm. Um, wow. 
I bought a hat, <gasps> an Echo hat. Do you remember oh, the brand Echo? Yes, I used to adore Echo. There was even a video game that was banned in Australia because it promoted graffitiing, mm. which is called Mark Echo's Getting Up, and you played a graffiti artist. I loved Mark Echo. Mm-hmm. I loved everything he, he did. I loved his hats. I loved I had, that little rhino. <laughs> I love that rhino logo. I had the ugliest watch that was a Mark Echo watch. <laughs> it was a fat leather wrist strap that yeah. had the a big silver buckle that was the Mark Echo logo. And you could flip it open like a Zippo lighter and it had a little digital clock underneath it. <laughs> I used to just go nuts at that, flicking it open. It was just flicking it shit. Shut. Streetwear was so shit. Yeah, exactly. Now it's cool and I'm into it again. But yeah. streetwear in our era so clumsy and ugly yeah it's so thick and like tactile like, yes like fucking camo colours and like yeah it was so bad but I had this like red echo hat that I was so proud mm. of because it was like you know kind of skate and cool and yes. shit yes and I wore it and this kid in the year above who you know what I actually can't even remember his name but he was a skater kid and he complimented my hat and he was like, I like that hat. Do you want to swap hats at lunch? No, no, he had no. an SMP hat. Oh my God. This Sex, ends, money, this ends and well. power. Um, and so at lunch, like he came over to my group and swapped hats. So I wore his SMP yep. hat. He wore my Red Echo hat. And he just wore it all lunch. And all my group were like gobsmacked that this was happening. Wow. They were just like, fuck, I can't believe like you, how do you even know him? And I was like playing it all cool and stuff. And be like, yeah, like, yeah, we're sort of friends. Like we kind of talk. This is so cool. And I felt so cool that I just sat around wearing his SMP hat. God. And then at the end of lunch, he came over and we swapped hats back. (gasps) And then I don't think we even really spoke again, but it was just like a moment that felt so nice. Mm. And weirdly, I don't know, even know if it would have given me cred or anything, but it felt yeah. like it did. Like it felt like I'm now okay. Like this is a nice thing that yeah. this older cool kid has My done God. for me. And I, I think about it all the time and I can't remember his name, but I do remember his tag um, because I copied his tag. His tag was MTS and the S was a dollar sign. It stood wow. for menace to society. Wow. And I copied it for years. That's like, crazy. That it's MTS. and You didn't put the number two. No, I know, but he that's put a dollar r- sign for the S. That's actually fucked up that he put a two in. <laughs> the a T sick was mind. actually sick. Yeah, okay. The, well, the way he did the T was actually very cool. I spent, I was like a bit obsessed with him, I think, because wow. I thought he was cool. So I copied his tag. Well, that makes sense. Everyone, the, you know, this will be like if me and Peter Hellier swapped glasses during <laughs> Comedy Festival one year. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I just pray like that. that happens to you, man. <laughs> and you just see you see him come over and flip the glasses back over to me. God, it's just a, a little moment. a little tap on the shoulder from an mm. older kid, and they're just they probably never think about you again. Never. But for the moment, it just feels like wow, I've I'm accepted. Yeah, and I think a really interesting thing that I noticed on this watch. Uh, was and then I put like the auto commentary on for this scene when they have like the round table at the mall mm. uh, where like it's her and the older kids hanging out that uh, Bo Burnham like made this choice he talked about that Olivia the person that she shadows is not the leader of her group it's the mm. other girl that's the leader and mm. who's the big personality and he said that you know in all these other teen films where where like an older kid looks out for a young kid like even the other A24 movies like I was thinking about mid 90s mm. like that's always a leader of the crew that like picks up the kid and then they become part of the group because they're like initiated in that way but this one it's not the leader and she barely 
like kind of gets initiated in. Yeah, very true. She's on the outside. And it just felt a little bit more real because yeah, of that. Yeah, totally. She's not the most popular girl in school. She's yeah. just like the nice one in that group of friends. And brings her on. Oh, man, that, that moment has a really, a bit that really fucked me up, which is mm. <laughs> she's trying to be nice. There's a kid with a hat on who's yes. like not saying much at the table. Yeah. And she like tries to be nice to him. And she mm. says like, I used to be quiet like you. And the kid goes, I'm not quiet. You're quiet. And then she does like this big mimes gesture of like, Ugh, and he doesn't even look at her. When oh, she, and he man. just killed me. Oh. I think the way that this scene and this storyline with these older teens progresses, we should talk about this before you start <clears throat> wrapping things yeah, up. Yeah, big time. Because this was like the biggest moment for me when I first watched the movie. I remember seeing this movie in the cinema with uh, our friends B. Baba Skirla and Aaron Chen who have been on this podcast many times. And I could not watch it. Like, I became Hmm. so uncomfortable during this car scene where he gets in the back seat with her and, like, makes her play truth or dare with Hmm. him. Uh, Because it's shot so much like a horror film. Especially, like, that modern horror way where he's just, like, in darkness. She's Hmm. kind of not... You can't really get a good look of his, like, facial expressions and stuff. Hmm. And it just made me so intensely uncomfortable and so, like in fear because I was so in, in aligned with like Elsie Fisher's character and performance mm. where I was like that felt so resonant to my experience being an 8th grader and being a fucking little weird loser and then uh, like it just like really it scared me so much I almost like hated the movie for that moment for like putting this character in that position and it's shot like in such a like scary and horror way that I just got my phone out which I never do when I'm in the (laughs) cinema and just had to go on Instagram or something because I just like I couldn't bear watching it oh my god that's so I can't even imagine you doing that it's so it's like the only time I've ever done that was so out of character for me but I just like I it was I had to escape Wow. I couldn't bear what about to watch this it. this time? Could you get through it? This time, because I had conversations with people after that screening and after that, like talking to other people like Kate Jinx and stuff, mm. where they were just like, you should watch it again because it's not that scary. It's just a very real moment. Yeah, it's totally real. But just in my mind, it just like, I felt so sickened what's, by it. What's we- I think so powerful about it mm. is that it's not like a very special episode moment. Yes. It's not like this is a predator. It's just... It's just manipulative and awkward. Yes. Like he you know, he bullies her into saying dare and stuff mm-hmm. like that, but he's not he's not like being aggressive. Yes. He's just being a fucking asshole. Yeah. Rude and creepy. Yeah, and it's it's all behavior that we can look at and mm. go, Oh, that's just like a scumbag. Yeah. But unfortunately it's also behavior that you look at and go yeah, I can see why he would think that he's not doing anything exactly. bad here. Yeah. I think that's what that was it for me because like you're so aligned that character and that scene's all about like really testing what her boundaries are mm. and like when like when she says no to something and puts a stop to yeah. it. Like it's all about that for that character and I think I just felt so much in aligned with her anxiety and it was ratcheting up the same way within me when I'm like Get me out of here. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. It's a great performance from her. Great performance. And, and him as well. Like him the, too. The way yeah. that he like kind of like plays it in a way where he's like smiling and oh, yeah. thinks it's being flirty and it's nice. Almost like it's borderline like Jimbo Jones mm. in uh, The Simpsons. I don't know if you remember that episode where Jimbo, Jimbo on The Simpsons is dating, yeah. is dating like this new girl that Bart mm. has a crush on. 
and he's like, should I take my shirt off? Yeah. Oh, my shirt's chafing me and starts taking <laughs> show. This kid basically does the same thing where yeah. he's kind of going like, would it be stupid if I took my shirt off? That's crazy, yeah. right? Like, would you think that's stupid? Yeah. And he's kind of, it's, yeah, manipulative, but not in a nuanced, mm. predatory way. It's just like a kid who clearly wants to do some sexual stuff and doesn't have any fucking vernacular or like tact or doesn't know how to do it really. And it is, it's horrible. It's really, it's really hard watch, but it's also a really good watch. Um, and she fucking stands up to him. It's so powerful. It's so good. But you know, I mean, on the flip side of that, she apologizes like five times after she says, no, it's, it's really quite, it's really good. It's a really good scene. I think that this is, this is such a unique teen movie because it's like, you know, like you said, in other times, this would become like the special episode mm. moment. Like that's what the whole movie evolves into is becoming a special episode moment, but it doesn't. And I think that's what really scared me about it was that I kept on putting those, like trying to compartmentalize what this movie was doing mm. with how I understood teen movies to be. Like, but because it doesn't really follow that structure of what teen movies are, it's not building up to a big moment. It builds up to her graduating eighth grade mm. and putting her own little time capsule together again. Yeah, she hugs her dad. Yeah. And it's that's really nice. It's, it's so small. It's not a huge climactic moment. It's mm. just she hugs him after she's been kind of a dick to him all mm. movie. She stands up to Kennedy or Cassidy, whatever her mm. fucking name is, but she doesn't make eye contact with her the whole time. Yep. She's yelling at her, which I've done. I remember doing oh, that when God. I was a teenager yes. and like feeling my blood boil, feeling my skin get all hot mm. and itchy and snapping at someone and like oh, God. standing up to them, but I can't them. even look at them, yeah. you know, like just God. looking at the ground or looking like above their head while I'm oh, yelling God. at them. You just sent me back to one. It's so, oh. it's such a horrible feeling because you know that you're doing something brave, mm-hmm. but you also know that you look so scared while yeah, you're doing it. Exactly. <laughs> it, it, this is a really terrific teen movie and I'm, really hope that it joins the canon of what these mm. films are and what they can aspire to be. Yeah. Well, Cameron, before we close things up, let's give this our own little reboot. Mm. We have somehow got the rights to this movie mm. and we have to reboot it ourselves. We mm-hmm. can continue with this property of eighth grade on. Mm. How do you even do it? Because it's a brand new movie. It's true. What do we do? Well, I mean, I'm going to propose... The Grade Saga. Mm-hmm. And sequel, two words, ninth grade. Yeah. I actually think that's the way to go. <laughs> is I really think you can't, like, if this were to continue in some way, it would have to be, like, direct sequel. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, that's actually what I was thinking. The, I started this by comparing it to Francois Truffaut, 400 Blows. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That movie has sequels. True. And it just follows the same actor at different points in his life playing yep. the same character. Well, why don't we do this? It's like 7-Up or something. And exactly. we just check in every two or three years. Yeah. See where she's at, how she's progressed. You know, Boyhood style, baby. Yep. Or, I think all uh, of these you should just do boyhoods of every movie. Yeah, they're pretty much just before sunrises. Yeah. Right? Those ones are every nine years. Something like that. Yeah. But that would be great to like just, especially if we go her from eighth grade, if there's one other time like 
Doesn't even. I think it would even work better if it's not significant moments of her life. Oh, dude, I just thought of it. Yeah, COVID. Wow. Let's see what she's doing during COVID. And it's just her YouTube page. <laughs> it just becomes what her YouTube is during this because she's at at home, yeah. probably in like what tenth, eleventh grade now. Yeah, yeah. And she's just doing Ten. YouTube. She's a high school senior. Yep, and she's just it's her doing school from home. Mm-hmm. And doing tutorials about how to stay safe out there with the pandemic. Yep. She goes, she shows you how to make a mask. Yeah. With like little <laughs> headbands on it. This would be sick. And her dad's just started dating someone. Oh my God. Like my da- girl. Yeah. He's dating in COVID and that's yes. it. And maybe like my girl, you know, I don't know. Who, I can't even remember who the girl was in that, but maybe that's it's Anna Shlumsky from oh, your yeah, favorite you're right. show. Anna Shlumsky from uh, Veep and Dan Aykroyd as dad. Yes, from my favorite show, but SNL. Who's, but who's Dan Aykroyd dating? Jamie Lee Curtis. Well, then let's get Jamie in this. Yes. I love Jamie Lee Curtis. I thought you meant Jamie Kennedy, which would be very exciting if the dad starts getting Jamie Kennedy. <laughs> and he's telling her, well, if you like horror movies, every horror movie has three roles. I mean, that would be the ultimate Jamie yeah. Kennedy experiment. Well, I think that's it. That's ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade pitch to you. Let's make it, baby. All right. We'll message Bo Burnham, see what he says. Bo does not follow me on Twitter, so he won't be a DM. Okay. We'll have to at him. All right. Hey, at Bo Burnham, we have a sick idea for sequels for 8th grade. Hashtag A24. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This was such a fun movie to discuss, and I think it is really a fantastic film, Mm. a completely unique film when it comes to teen movies that is well worthy of joining the Screenager canon. Mm. Next week on the podcast, we're still sticking in the Screenager genre. Cameron, what are we going to discuss? Well, I'm so glad you asked, Alexi. My choice being me, Cameron James, the man speaking to you right now. For my choice, I'm picking Ferris Bueller's Day Off, one of my favourite movies. Me, Cameron James, that is. In the meantime, you can listen to more of us over at patreon.com slash totalreboot, and you can hear us talk about our favourite movies each year during our own high school experience. Yeah, I'm excited to dive into this one, I think. Absolutely. Especially because, you know, we're a couple years apart, so it'll be a while before there could be any crossover. I know, and I I honestly think they're going to be very different favourite films. Who knows? We don't know. We're very excited for them. Uh, So they'll be coming out on patreon.com slash total reboot, and five bucks a month gets you access to those, plus a whole lot extra stuff. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at thisisalexi. I'm at I am Cameron James, and uh, we're on Twitter at Total Reboot Pod. Yes, together. And you've got another podcast with Becky Lucas. Yeah, the Becky and Cam Hotline. And you've got one on Netflix. It's called The Big Film Buffet. So check those out. And remember, like, follow, subscribe. Gucci!